the holidays are here. Browse metal merch and music on the Metal Blade Records Indie Merch Store now through December 31st for 15% off all products with the promo code MBRXMAS21. That's Metal Blade Records Christmas 21. MBRXMAS21. Even more discounts are available on select items from Amana Marth, Behemoth, Surath Ungol, Ensiferum, Goat Whore, King Diamond, Sacred Rite, and more. The 15% off promo is valid on discounted items for even more discounts. Find the perfect metal gift for yourself and your metal friends and family. Go to MetalBladeStore.com or IndieMerch.com slash MetalBladeRecords. One more one more time, guys. MetalBladeStore.com or IndieMerch.com slash Records and use the 15% off promo code M-B-R-X-M-A-S-21. Merry Christmas from Metal Blade Records. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petr Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Out there, it is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by my friend, my man, my Bro- co-partner. I, to, to amigo, uh, Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at your buddy Gooch, you dirty dogs. And make sure, hey, what did you call yourself the one time that people liked? Um, Rapscallion? Uh, cheeky, cheeky Bandit. Cheeky is that what it was? The Cheeky Bandit? Cheeky Bandit. Yeah, yeah I think th- you can you cannot follow him at <laughs> Cheeky Bandit, but if you hashtag it, yeah, put I, his name on it. I need to. Make yeah. sh- and make sure to follow our other co-hosts, guys. That is Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And she is on TikTok at The Wizard of Jaws. It's J-O-Z. And of course, oh, I miss her. I haven't seen Sylvia in a while. Sylvia Alvarado, one of one of my favorite people on this planet, man. Make sure you follow her at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. Guys, we are here, part two, best of the year episode. We got our top five albums of the year that we're going to talk about. And as awesome as it, it is for us, our top three records, we have interviews with each band. Exciting. But before we jump into our top five records, we got an email from a longtime fan, a guy that I love, this guy James out there in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. How do I say that in Canada? Saskatoon. 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 Anyways. um, I don't think you say it like that. You're saying like you're about to go on exhibition there. Exhibition. Saskatoon. Get away. Saskatoon. I'm going to go on holiday. That's Saskatoon. Anyways. Saskatoon. He wrote an email. And the reason I want to read his email is because I would love to get best of stuff from fans or recommendations. And James has recommended me bands in the past like Martyr that I fucking loved. So I want to read his whole email because it was a sweet thing. And uh, like I said, he's a big, big fan. Uh, the, I got, we got two Canadian fans that I love to death. It's James and then Jay our Canadian listeners that always talk to us on the uh, interwebs. You guys are the best. But let me uh, read you guys a little bit 
of James's email here. Hey, Petter, I just wanted to send a quick message to say thanks for all the hours of entertainment. I'm very grateful to you, Brandon, Sylvia, and Jocelyn for the work you each put into the show every week. You guys always brighten my day and give me a few laughs too. Huge thanks to you guys. James, you're the reason we do it, my man. Thank you. Also, I curate a playlist on Spotify. I know your feelings about streaming services, LOL. Yeah, he does. Brandon likes it. Everybody else on the show does but me, so you're good, James. Uh, but he has, curates a playlist on Spotify dedicated to Canadian metal. It's called Northern Forge. Everybody, Spotify playlist, Northern Forge. So I wanted to send a few of my favorite releases from the frigid north your way. First up, Spectral Wound, A Diabolical Thirst. This is some unreal black metal out of Montreal. It's one of my favorite records to come out this year. It's a banger from front to back. Second, Anti-God Hand, Wretch. Another black metal record, but this one is from the West Coast. Very raw. Third and lastly, so this doesn't end up a super long email, Pale Ache, Sorrow Will Overcome Me. When I describe this band to people, I usually say they're like Canadians, like Canada's Converge. This latest record has shades of code orange in it as well. Great chat with Jamie, by the way. You're welcome. Jamie's awesome. I love having Jamie on the show. Um... And I have a bunch more picks. I didn't even mention EPs, but I'll leave it there for now. There is so much great material coming out of Canada. I just wanted to get the word out about it. Thanks again for everything you and the team do every week. I hope you all have a safe and happy holiday season, James. Thank you, my friend. Everybody check out Northern Forge Spotify playlist. James is a great dude, and these bands I'm going to check out for sure. With that, we're going to jump into our top five records. Number five, I'm sure it's no surprise. It is the latest from Gojira, my friends. Fortitude is a, a powerful record, and Gojira is a band that uh, continually leaves an imprint on the music and the scene for heavy music that is positive in every avenue and every way, guys. So uh, the track we're going to play off of our number five record of the year by Gojira, that is Into the Storm.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
right, guys, and we are back. That is the only Canadian band on our top 15 list, so Canada listeners. Last year, you guys had a ton. I believe you had our number one with Low Vietar. That was our number one last year. That is from the debut record, full length, from Spirit Box. That is Eternal Blue. The track is Circle With Me. This record is amazing, and I think a lot of people have really gotten into it. I, I feel like this band is going to be a special all the way through and one of the most important releases we had as a scene. It really got people garnered back in there. Spirit Box, Internal Blue was our number four. Number five, as I said, Gojira, Fortitude. And that brings us into our number three record of the year and our first interview, guys. Number three record comes from a band out there in the UK. Our number three record, guys, is from Green Lung. The record is Black Harvest, our number three record of the year, favorite album of the year. Let's jump into my interview with the entire band. Got all four of them on to talk with me. It was a, it was a great time, guys. Let's jump into my interview with Green Lung. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have all of Green Lung. That is John Joe, Scott, and Tom, we are here to celebrate one of our favorite albums of the year. That is Black Harvest, guys. So let's jump right into it. Tom, let's start with you. How? Tell us about the writing process of this. It is a sophomore album, so there is that everybody's worried about a sophomore slump type of thing. Did you guys take any of that in consideration when you started working on this record? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because I think with us it was – it was especially difficult because it was like the sophomore record, which is always going to be going to be a tough one, especially if everyone's sort of <laughs> really enjoyed your debut album. But also with this one, we had not just a band member leave, which was um, Andrew, our former bass player, um, who sort of left halfway through the writing process, which is kind of the last time you want someone to leave the band. Um, but also <laughs> we, we got Joe, our new bassist, and we were sort of ready to go started sort of getting the writing process back into gear and then global pandemic. So it was kind of, yeah, uh, trouble on top of trouble. Um, but I think actually what happened was that we were just like, fuck it, we're going we're gonna to really knuckle down and just bloody, you know, bloody mindedly just do this second album, even if the world is trying to stop us. And I think maybe some of that sort of spirit of, we, we, you know, we, we've got nothing to lose. We're just gonna, we're just gonna make the sort of biggest, craziest album we can, um, because who knows if we're gonna be able to make albums, you know, for very much longer the way the world's going. And I think that um, that sort of spurred us on. If anything, it wasn't like we had bigger things to worry about than it just being a second album. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Now, John, I'm gonna go over to you on this one. Is that uh, so? With that, you guys did have a deadline to start with right and then when that deadline kind of goes out the window because of something like a, a pandemic which is a huge thing um how do you how did you stay motivated and communicative with everybody especially considering that andrew also left halfway through yeah that's yeah tough one because um we we, we kind of stayed motivated by just doing lots of uh, lots of online work we sent around work to each other um uh online and just kept on kept on bumping it around um doing little little um uh, scott did a few things on instagram to keep himself going uh learn, he learned a, a solo every uh, every day for a month um and put it on on instagram and we just kind of yeah just keep making sure that we keep in contact with each other like week by week really 
Yeah, it's a must. Now, Joe, being the new figure coming in uh, at this stage, were you always pumping the guys up because you were super excited? You're like, this is my first record with these dudes, and I have to make it. How, did, how was your feeling coming in? Or were you more pensive and like, I'm just looking for direction? <laughs> I, think, uh, yeah, I was hated, man. So like, I worked on the previous two records, the EP and the first album, Woodland Rights, behind the glass, like helping run the vocal sessions and stuff and doing a few bits and bobs. So I was doing backing vocals on that as well. So I already knew the guys pretty well. Uh, and I was just really excited to be a part of it. Um, obviously didn't really expect the whole pandy to hit and stuff, but I mean, like, it was just, it was, I was just really chuffed to be part of the writing process and, like, being able to get stuck in there. And like John says, you know, we got uh, technologies so enabling these days that we were able to swap ideas effectively and, you know, like, talk about stuff and, like, work on things at home together but uh, the bit I really missed, I guess, was the social aspect because that's like such a big part of getting together a band is like playing together in a room and spending time together and getting to know each other like personally as well as musically. So like that was a bit I missed until we were able to do that more effectively. But um, yeah, I was I was chuffed, man. It was great. Excellent. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you this one. This one might be a little tougher, but I, I guess um, uh, what is the, the if with. When, when you have a lot of time on your hands and these songs are going back and forth through the team like we're talking about, is it harder to say when to a song? You're like, all right, that one's done. Or do you always want to kind of fiddle a little bit with it and add more because there is time? That's a great question. And that's something that we actually had to really think about quite carefully with this album. I think because Woodland Rights had Ord on it and everything, but this was the album where we really brought the organ to the front of the, made it like a lead instrument. And it's such a big dominating sound that you've got to be really careful with how you use it. If you look at the way like Uriah Heep or Deep Purple used their organs, it was in a sonic mix where the guitars were much smaller sounding, everything was much smaller sounding. So using something as dominant as an organ in a modern heavy metal context is quite difficult. And what we found happening was because we basically had unlimited sort of we were just sending over tracks to each other, sending over um, stems and things as we built these songs. We ended up kind of overcooking everything. We had loads of guitar going on, loads of organs going on, loads of everything, just all the time. And so we had to be really careful of how we arranged it, um, exactly how you're saying, because it, it got to the point where we just piled way too much onto it. And so we ended up taking everything back and really carefully thinking about the arrangements. At what point do the organs take over? At what point do the guitars take over at what point do we you know leave space for the the drums and things and so yeah that was that was a big part of it i think in a way the pandemic was kind of useful for us because i think if we had all got into a into a room together um and done it organically we probably wouldn't have had as much time to really spend on the detail and the nuances of the arrangements like you can do when you're just building everything up on a computer you know um, so yeah, that was absolutely something we had to be really careful of, especially with, you know, the introduction of the organ in the way that we used it. Absolutely. Now this question is going to kind of be a round table one because that's a great, uh, I, a lot of guys I've talked to during this pandemic, the way they recorded the album via the files and all that stuff, they found it to be really helpful, you know, cause they can stop and focus on things. But the traditional sense of being in the room, the social way that Joe was talking about, um, has also been vital for the organic feel that, you know, and, and the confidence of the band together, right? 
So I'm going to go around the, the, the table asking first, Tom, which do you prefer, the way that you did it this way, or would you rather have the organic social way of everybody in a room together to write music? I think with me, like, as a, I'm a vocalist, so mm -hmm. I, I, I find the room, like, some of my best ideas just, just sort of happen in the room. Mm. You know, I think my job is to hear what the guys are producing music-wise and to sort of intuit like vocal lines on top of it and lyrics. And um, one thing I found that, you know, <laughs> I live in a tiny house in South London and like screaming about witches and Satan uh, in my bedroom is kind of a bit of a vibe for the neighborhood. Um, so it's not like I can like practice at home as much as I'd like to, um, you know, we have, we have a studio, but it's, it's quite a way away. So like, I, I feel like lyrics wise, it wasn't until we sort of got back in the studio room and we're, we're sort of rehearsing in earnest for this album. We sort of did that for maybe three months before we actually went to Wales and recorded it. Those are the moments where the lyrics you've, that are fucking great when you've written them down suddenly sound like they don't work within the context of the song or whatever. And that fine tuning was so essential in me, you know, like we write really big hooky songs and the lyrics are sometimes quite simple, but they're like, have to be really well placed to work as hooks. And, you know, anything that, that I'd written loads of lyrics at home that had felt great at home, but it wasn't until we got in the room and I sang them, but like they sharpened up. So I think I'm probably more biased towards the social side of things. That said, we've always, you know, when I first joined the band, it was because I heard some of Scott's demos and I was just blown away by them. And they were demos without any lyrics or vocals on. And he's always sort of, you know, as the chief sort of musician and songwriter in the band in a way, I think he's always liked to sort of demo up songs as a whole. So it, that, that aspect has never really not been there. It was just we had more time to sort of do like the detail and the nuance, like you were saying. Mm. Um, so for me, like it's, I think... I would, I would happily go and, and work on the songs like virtually as long as, you know, you have that three month sort of run in of testing, road testing them almost in the studio or live. Um, I remember with Woodland Rights, we were playing those songs live maybe six months before we recorded. And um, I think that that is always a really great way to get feedback because you're literally acting to people's initial yeah, reaction to the, to the songs of the room. Absolutely. And just because you brought up Scott, Scott, what about you on your aspect? Because it, it seems like you, to fine tune it, is it better to be in front of that computer or is it good to be in that social environment for you when you're writing? Um, I think when I'm writing, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's quite considered. So I, we're, we're not much of a band. We do occasionally kind of like spontaneously improvise ideas and things, but we're much more of a, a, a pop minded band where we think, carefully about the song structures and kind of thing. So it's a bit more considered. So when it comes to actually writing and writing for how we're going to record, then yeah, definitely kind of sat down at the computer and thinking about things that way. But it's really interesting because obviously with the five of us live, we can't really, we can't replicate exactly what we do on record. Mm. You know, there's, there's five plus layers of backing vocals. There's, up to like 12 tracks of guitars going on and things. We've got to think, we've got to really rearrange the songs completely for live to kind of bring that across in a live setting. And so that's really interesting to do in the room. So you think about how we're going to record these songs and you kind of do that without the limits, the constraints of 
you know, five musicians in a room. But then I really enjoy getting into a room with the guys and sitting down and thinking, right, how are we going to recreate this with the instruments that we have, with the constraints that we've put on us? And I find that it's almost like a completely different creative process altogether. And I, I wouldn't say I enjoy it more, but I, I really, really enjoy kind of having to be imaginative with how we use our instruments to recreate that sound. That is very cool. And, and I'm, I, I know I was going to ask the question all around the home, horn, but you kind of segued me over to the live setting. And, and John, I'll, I'll hit you up on this one here, is that when you guys are, and I was going to ask about that as well because we were talking about the layers, when you guys are in that room and you are setting up for that live performance, what is the most important vibe that you, you feel you guys have to have to be like, that is what we need to represent the song? Oh, um, we 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 play to uh, we play to a project to a metronome. So we 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 go we try to go as close as possible to to what we've done in our record. But obviously, we we throw in little surprises and little uh, little changes that um, um, uh, that we don't have on the record just to make it a little bit more vibey. Um, and uh, the sound as well, we want to make sure that you know. Uh, we've got a big old bassy sound and the the guitars are loud. Everything's a little bit more little bit more pushed and a little bit more um exciting um when it comes to live sound nice dude so one more time i want everybody out there because if you haven't green lungs black harvest one of our favorite records of the years make sure you guys are picking it up extremely exciting to get you guys all on the show it's great it's going to be my last question for you guys and i am actually going to go around the horn this time with everybody and this is going to be putting you on the spot so whoever i go to first joe it might take you a little longer to answer but this year, music has been a big part of our lives because the pandemic came in there and we needed it. What record, and I'm not saying it's your favorite record of the year, but what record do you think you listen to the most this year? Wow. Yeah, that's a really, really, that's a big question. I went through all <laughs> sorts of motions um, musically over that time with like the ups and downs of you know what was going on through the year. Um, but I actually probably listened to... Uh, a folk album the most this year um that year rather when we're talking about it um by uh, somebody I actually know called nick hart is a um is a folk singer and uh it's just called nine english songs uh and i found it really f- centering and it really focused me over that year uh, and i found it really gently inspiring musically so that's what did it for me that year i think Beautiful, man. No, that's a, that's a good recommendation. Something I haven't heard of for sure. Tom, what about you? You're next on the list. Uh, I listen to so much music. Um, like in terms of metal, like I went running um, and walking a lot to Power Trip. Like mm. they're one of my favorite modern bands. And I was really gutted to hear about Riley Gale um, at Passing, which was I think last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the, the new Tribulation record. I'm listening to that a lot. But I'd say... Um, Outside of metal, one person like I really discovered over lockdown was um, Warren Zevon, and like I love like basically every '70s singer-songwriter like Leonard Cohen, Neil Young, Graham Parsons, whoever. And for whatever reason, I just never listened to Warren Zevon, and um, I just got really into uh, really into his records, which are like so funny and dark and like genuinely disturbing, but like incredibly catchy. And I think that's kind of, um, I don't know, that's kind of what we try to do with Green Lung, you know? Mm. Disturbing but catchy. <laughs> that's, you, that's great. No, that's excellent. If people haven't checked out Warren Zevon, make sure you guys do. Yeah, he is definitely, uh, definitely worth going down the rabbit hole 100%. So next on the list, 
John, what you got? I think my most played played thing is uh, the new Mother's Cake album, Cyberfunk. Mm. I don't know if you've heard that. It's uh, like a psychedelic um, rock album by some guys down in Austria. Uh, super, super good. Um, really good. Yeah. I think that's probably my most listened to this year. Nice. No, I have not heard that. And so that's going to be a fun one. And then we're going to end it with you, Scott. Your record this year that kept you going and, and that you loved music-wise because your, your record did it for me. So I want to know what you, what you got on your list. Um, well, I'd, I'd actually completely forgotten about Mother's Cake until John mentioned it just then, and it's brought a smile to my face just thinking about that album. So definitely check that out. Um, I really enjoy, in terms of like you know heavy guitar music, I really liked uh, the new Turnstile record. Mm. Um, they're really good fun, and I really I like how they've gone from a really good kind of East Coast hardcore band to a really good something cool band that they don't really sound like anyone else i really enjoy them um i've also oh god what have i been listening to um burn record <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah we'll give a shout out to earn U R N E. um they're another really really good metal i think it's called serpent and spirit or maybe spirit and serpent um that's a really really good really good just general metal album they take so many disparate kind of styles of metal and meld it really well into one cohesive thing and they're they're really musical it's a really musical take on metal like it's you can tell the guys you know they've got a real ear for melody and making making it really come alive so i really enjoyed that but to be if i'm totally honest with you the thing i've listened to the most this year is probably the anderson pack and bruno mars project silk sonic which i just can't get enough of those guys um so yeah, that's that's the uncool answer. The cool answer was on. <laughs> <laughs> I think both those answers are cool and acceptable. And that's the thing is we as music fans, we're all fans first, man, right? And so we got to love music um, and, and, and it's it's wherever it takes us. But all, all you guys from us here at the Metal Sucks Podcast, we really are happy and lucky we get to promote Black Harvest Green Lung, one of our favorite of the years. So with that, I want to thank all you guys, Joe, Scott, John, Tom. Thank you all for calling in here to the Metal Sucks Podcast. Thanks so much, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, been been reading been reading the blog for years and years, so it's really nice to have got the opportunity to chat to you. And as the summer dies, the shadows start to move.
was the hour of dust in the season of mist on your paleness, your fate sealed with a kiss, call rims round your eye like cinerary in my cold embrace. You fell into a trance. I Egyptian Avenue through Iron Gates into the catacombs of a girl laid down beneath the trees of an heaven cut on the leaves. A little death never
And we are back, guys. Song you heard off of Black Harvest, our number three album of the year by Green Lung. That track is called Graveyard Sung, and that segues us. We got two left, guys. Two left. Number two record of the year comes from Zayo. The Crimson Corridor is, to me, a perfect record. We have talked about it excessively through the years, how amazing the comeback was with the well-intentioned virus, and this is another step up. Very similar to what Every Time I Die did from Low Teens to the new album Radical. It's just there is a pocket where these dudes know how to deliver their sound to us fans, and they're really getting there. So with no further ado, our number two record of the year, guys, let's jump into my interview once again with Scott from Zayo. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, back on the show, I got Scott from Zayo. We are here to celebrate, obviously, one of our favorite albums of the year, and that's The Crimson Corridor. Man, let's let's revisit it. It's had some time. How did the response come out uh, to the fan base and everybody, according to you, Scott? Did you, did you love what you heard from the fan base? Because obviously, we think it's one of the best of the year. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm always just super blown away that people still care. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, the reception has been pretty fantastic. I mean, we really, really worked so hard. And some of these songs, I mean, they've been kind of like in the recording process or writing process for since Well-Intentioned Virus like was starting to be recorded. Um, so, but yeah, the reception has been unreal. Having people excited about what we're doing is, I mean, that we're just honored that people even pay attention still, but we are totally amazed by how people have reacted to it. Now, I love the fact that you brought up that it, one of them been from, uh, or a couple of songs came from the well-intentioned virus. When you have a skeleton and you're proud of it, how do you get re-excited to complete that song? Some songs, I'm sure anybody would, most people would say it this way, but like, like there are some songs where like you just never not have excitement for them. Um, but I can find like even some of the things that like maybe I wrote that long ago that kind of were just in a back burner. I wasn't super excited about, and then, you know, Jeff will do something or Marty or Russ will do something on it. And honestly, what's really neat for us is a lot of the time Dan has lyrics written, like all the, like he, he's always writing. So there's never like a, a wait for anything, but the lyrics don't really get plopped on the song <clears throat> until the song gets time to like, basically it's completed. And then it goes to Dan for half uh, of the lyrics and his uh, vocal patterns and, and stuff. So a lot of the time Dan will totally re like revitalize the song for all of us. Cause there'll be something that he does that like completely just, I mean, we're blown away by that dude all the time, but yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it, I mean, we'll have songs that might sit for a little bit and then Dan will put his vocals on and all of a sudden you're just like, holy shit, here it is, you know? That's beautiful. And that's, that's the, uh, the team and everybody having the input and, and the compromise. I mean, there's gotta be the compromise though, right? Is there? Oh yeah. There's, I mean, you definitely don't, you know, you don't want to go into a five person atmosphere where, with any kind of, uh, strong held like this isn't going to change or I'm not going to like I think all of us have done this long enough now that we really understand just like where how we want the songs to be and how the song is the most important thing not anybody's specific parts or not any of that kind of stuff so you know 
all the skeletons that I bring, um, there are some times where like there's parts that I'm like, no, this part has to be this way. But I don't think we're ever in a situation where nothing can change, you know, within the song. At what stage in your career, Scott, were you like, I know how to write a Zayo song? No if, and, or buts. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. And every day I get excited and even more. I mean, and honestly, too, like with the way we are trying to move now, um, there's a lot of different uh, things that we like, a lot of different things we listen to that inspire us to even kind of try some other stuff. I, I I would say that I never feel 100% that I know, like without a doubt, I know how to write it. But I do now feel uh, pretty confident. And when I have a certain part, I'll really know when a part's going to be like, that's going to be a thing, like where it's going to be exciting or, uh, you know, like we had, we were working on Ship of Theseus and I knew the end of that song was going to be something that that not only all of us would really like, but like that the crowd interaction would be really good for. So there's things like that that I think we have kind of grown accustomed to as writers, but, but we're, you know, man, if you're, I think as any songwriter would say, you're never, like, you're always looking for something like you're always searching to be better. And you're always trying so hard to like, just get everything you can and, and be the best you can and work as hard as you can. So like, I'm never satisfied. No, nah, I love it, man. I think that drive and that fire is important. And I, I think when people lose it, that's when they, they, the, the, the music doesn't speak as much, you know? And, uh, yeah. that's, and I think that, too, like, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Well, I was going to say like, I think too, like if you do get to a position like, and I do think like there's there, like, the way you asked, it's way like a really, it's a perfect way to ask because I do think that like, you know, I'm sure if you talk to like the guys in Mastodon or the guys in, cave in or or converge or any of these bands like guys have an idea of what's going to make a converge song or a cave in song or whatever right but you're never really like satisfied with yourself as a songwriter so like i can i can tell you like hey i feel confident that i can write zeo songs but i'm always trying so hard to be better so um i think you're right like once you get to the point where you're like yeah this is just going to be old hat i have a formula and this is done i know what to do like that's yeah, you're almost, you should probably just stop. <laughs> I, and I agree. And that the beautiful thing about all the bands you mentioned, it seems like the genre and the upbringing of, you know, whatever movement happened when all those bands came out, they all have that same mentality. And that's why they keep making best of lists. That's why they keep impressing mm-hmm. their fan base. Um, do you think that that was nurtured in some sort of, you know, silent maybe competition between all the bands that you were growing up with at the same time? Or do you think it was just you had to stay on par with where these these other bands were taking it? Because there's an echelon there where a lot of the bands that we're talking about are talking to on, on the show. It's, mm-hmm. it's They've nurtured this for so long and they know exactly where to go and, and, and ha- what they're allowed to put out to the world, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it kind of is more that all of us come from such a, um, like, a, a do-it-yourself kind of underground thing. So, like, we never expect people to, to like, like, totally like us to where, like, we don't have to worry about anything. I, I think we, you know, you, when, you, when you're, like, in the underground scene and your music's, like, as harsh as all of ours are, like, you know, I mean, Caven has beautiful music, but, <laughs> yeah. but um, 
But like when you're like this kind of band, like you, it, it's almost unfair because it's like we always have a chip on our shoulder to make things like go even like more intense. And like, I don't even know how you do that because there's bands like Suffocation and like Cannibal Corpse that like take things to like such high levels. But But I do think that there's just something in being in a band that came from the underground that like started out playing in front of 10 people in a basement, you know, that as long as you can kind of nurture that and hold on to that kind of feeling, I really feel like you're never happy. You're never satisfied. You're just, you're always striving to make something that, you know, I, like even like, I remember when I would listen to songs and then you'd come to that one riff or like, you'd hear that one part and the hair stands up on your neck or whatever. And you're like, how, how do they do that? And I think we're all, in my opinion, all the bands that are in this kind of world, like they're always there. Like, how can we make our hair stand up and then hope that people kind of like come along with you? But it also could be that too, dude. It could be that we just, nobody gives a shit. We're just writing for ourselves, really. <laughs> so it's like, I'm just going to try to make myself super pumped on a song and just hope that people pay attention you know i love that though but even like you said writing for yourself people can take that the wrong way that makes it authentic you know yeah it's an authentic, no, for real. authentic voice and an authentic and that's that's something that i think i want people to learn no no do it for you don't do it for anybody else um because eventually you know the the ups and downs of the industry as long as the music just keeps growing with you as a human, you know, cause I think life gets easier the older you get. I don't, I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but you know, on a lot of levels, like a lot of the anxieties go away because you don't, you care less. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's dead on. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just like, I'm not going to worry about that. I don't know why I worried about that. Things like that. And as an artist, that's such a benefit, you know, um, mm -hmm. as well. But as long as you keep writing for yourself, it's super authentic. And this album comes off completely that way. Now we talked about the live. Oh, when the audience hears this, I know you guys have, have done, you've done like a, a few shows, correct? Um, oh yeah. Recently? We, we've, yep. Yeah. We did a little run of shows that we play in down to uh, furnace fest in yes. September. So I, mm -hmm. I remember the furnace fest and, and you did some shows and that's something that it's looking like it's harder to, to get out to for a lot of bands. Um, how important is that live experience for you guys to have these songs like off a new record, like a Crimson Corridor connect to permanently be in your set list? How important is to test drive those songs, you know, to an audience? Well, I think the test drives, that's a good way to put it. The test drives like kind of gives you not that it's, it's super important, but it does like kind of plant you to understand what, what our, our fan base kind of is, excited about or whatever and i think that it's really really exciting as a band to get out there and play new material and have people already kind of know it and it sort of helps i mean not that this is even a good thing or not but with what has happened the last two years you know i feel like there's like a real like a, a major hunger for for live shows and for just music in general as, a, as just something to take our minds off of whatever and in I think, I mean, I know for us, it's a little different. And with this last kind of couple shows we've done, not being able to do that for as long as we weren't able to do it. I mean, the appreciation level of it. And I think too, like, it's, it's weird, man. Cause like, you can't, like you said, you can't write for people and you're not playing for people, but there is something really special about connecting with an audience that you can't quantify in words or in any kind of experience. So, you know, 
it's not that I'm worried about what fans are going to think in per se, like with the songs, but, but when you, when you do connect with those people and you see it, I mean, that is such a driving force to keep doing it, you know? Dude. Yes. And, and that's something like, and for me, this last, the pandemic, I, I, my motto was, you know, right now words don't matter. Words don't help the connection and the emotion that you feel through art, anything, you know, from people far away that matters, you know, and music was huge Mm -hmm. for us, you know, on that fan base. I agree. You're right. The second I got to go to that first show, my cheeks hurt from smiling. How many metal shows can I say that from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a mask on, but I was smiling. My, I was like, oh, my face hurts. Was I singing? No, I was smiling. I was like, I'm here. Yeah. And uh, that's the beauty, man. And and that's something that I, I I hope a lot of the bands get to experience more as we go through this because it's not it's, – it's obviously getting better, but it's over. It's obviously not over, and we don't know. Yep, um, yep. But – uh, any new music have you have you taken more time to write new music even though I don't feel the Crimson Corridor has gotten its fair shake in the live circuit and there's so much more life to this record still for you guys but have you just kept busy and wrote more um, during during this time this year oh yeah we I mean there's always writing being made and being ha- and happening because there's probably six or seven new songs or at least skeletons of songs now. Um, I just think that like, since we've come back from like our little break, uh, from like 2006 to whatever, 2007, um, all of us are just on fire to like be what we be in a band and do this again and write and all that kind of stuff. So there's always writing being done. Um, we're always working on stuff. We don't have anything concrete. We don't have anything ready to be recorded yet. And I do agree with you. I, I think as a band, we've made a pretty conscious decision to make sure that we try to give Crimson at least, at least another like year to like be able to get out and play. Cause we don't, I mean, it's unfair to like with our situation in life, we don't get to play as much as we'd like to. I mean, a lot of awesome bands are out there touring way more. And I mean, even with this situation, it seems like tours are happening a little more. So um, we're hoping to play a little bit more, but yeah, I, I, I definitely want to, kind of play this record out a little more i feel like it deserves to be given that time and then we'll start to work on the next thing but we definitely have things written already excellent now we're all on the same page man crimson deserves that as much live treatment as we can and much of experiences i always say the end of the movie to a record to me first i get the record i listen to it i learn it the ending's always seeing those songs live with the band and sharing that's the end of the movie and I agree. Absolutely. And so we definitely want to do that. And if you guys don't get to tour a lot, that here's the thing, though. I've always said that there are bands and fans know this. They're events. You just pay attention on the social medias. And you know what, man? I've bought tickets to shows like, for example, Furnace Fest to fly out there or drive <clears> out there. Dude, it doesn't cost me more than 100 bucks for the whole deal. You know, and it's it's yeah. I know it, it's just a matter of saying I'm going to do this. If you're living in the states, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to the European fans. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all. Yeah, let, that's, let, that's me, let me let me change that. <laughs> just I'm talking about if it's in your region, people. Um, so just make the effort, man. You know, I grateful dead at a few bands in in high school, and I had a two hundred dollars to my name, and I'm like, all right, refused is coming. I'm going to watch them play the West Coast, and I fought them for seven shows, and I I had money in my pocket afterwards. Is my point. So people, that's awesome. Make the effort for the event show and so when you guys do set up live shows just know a lot of people out there we're, we're, we're going the whole way man and Crimson deserves it one of our favorite records of the year as I've mentioned many times with that Scott always a pleasure to chat with you my friend thank you so much dude for calling in the Metal Sucks Podcast oh, my pleasure 
And the track you heard is Ship of Thesis, guys, off of our number two record of the year, The Crimson Corridor by Zayo. Make sure you guys are picking it up, listening to it however you do, and all that stuff. And that jumps into our number one album of the year. Um, I don't know uh, what I can say about Chevelle that I don't think everybody should be aware of at this time. 25 years of span has put out countless records that are uh, just above and beyond, I think, the standard radio rock stuff. I mean, next level stuff. And every song in the record could be a single. And this is like, we're going on yeah. eight, yeah, right? Eight records, nine records. Yeah. It's like, all right, when are they going to do this? And the thing is that they're, they're, they're open to changing their styles. You take the heaviness of the North Corridor, um, the record they did before our number one record of the year here. Those guys are the fucking coolest, by the way, dude. Oh, bro, he's great. I, I, uh, the interview I did. Oh, uh, yeah. I talked to, I, uh, I, I did an interview with him for like 15 minutes. And I don't, I'm not one of these guys that likes to talk. I want to get out of there as quick as I can. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to, I wanted to keep talking to this guy. I was like, <laughs> he was fucking Pete? cool. And did he you was talk cool. to Pete? Yeah. 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 yeah, cool, yeah. He's fucking cool as shit. And, uh, and he was so excited because, because uh, they played here in Vegas and that was the first show they had since yeah. COVID. I saw it at downtown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was free. And he was just like, yeah, yeah. And he was just the coolest. And he just, uh, and uh, and I talked to him, and I met him. I met him and his brother uh, at, I met him two times, actually. I met one in Chicago and another one, uh, oh, no, one in Sacramento. And the other one was uh, the other time I met him at the Hard Rock Pool. Yeah, I, and, I was uh, at that we show doing, with you. doing an interview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went to that show. So I, it was like, I talked to him. He he said it was the first time I saw him. I, I saw you open for Anthrax. That was the first time I saw him. Yeah. And, and I he, brought that up to him, and I brought up that sticker I got, because this is what it was. I go, dude, I've been watching you guys for fucking ever. I go, my best friend Pete, I go, he bought a sticker of you guys, and that sticker, and all it was was just, it was black and uh, like foil, Chevelle. And he yep. goes, I know what you're talking about. I go, dude, he had that sticker. And I go, this is back when John Bush was with Anthrax. I mean, this is how long I've been watching you guys. Like, And he's like, that's fucking awesome. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I go, you've, you've been gaining fans the entire time. And I go, it's so – and I go, and I just love how I watched you. It was just like this opening band for Anthrax. And now all of a sudden it's like they're killing it. Yeah, we talk about that in the interview as well, man, me and him. So, um, guys, yeah, so the memories, dude, what Chevelle has done for our lives, especially because it's been in our pocket – the uh the, their latest album nothing is real and this is a simulation nira tias as I, as i say it but um it is almost like i don't know man it's it's just like a, a next level thing they 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 added all these these little elements to it that made it cinematic the riffs are catchier than ever the vocal style every song to me you could throw out on the radio it's a single but that's not a negative thing it it's it's a great thing since this record came out Every time I listen to it, it's hard for me to take it out of my CD player. It's hard for me to take it out of my 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 home player or, or out of my ears and, and listen to something new. It's been infectious for me. And a lot of their records have done that, but nothing as strong as this. So we really here at our show got to give this record its due because it is the best album of the year, uh, in our opinion, in a year that had fantastic records, man. And I've said it in the previous episode, our top six from every time I die all the way down, I swear they can maybe be interchangeable. I don't think this one would change. And that's the fact. Let's go. Let's jump into my interview with none other than Pete from Chevelle to celebrate our favorite album of the year. Nothing is real. This is, a, and this is assimilation. Nira Tias. 
Yeah, we're just packing, getting ready to go to Florida tomorrow to play a show. So that's always good. Always good, my friend. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm excited. It's the festival out there, right? Or what's going on? Isn't there a festival out there? Yeah, Rock, Rockville. Rockville, yes, dude. I mix up I the names. Yeah, dude, it's going to be a blast. I um, I, I did a festival. I mean, my first one, obviously, pre-COVID. I, I'm out here in Las Vegas, so um, I was at that Psycho Vegas festival. And I got to tell you, man, it's it's... You, you don't know, like, in, I know you guys played out here. I got to see you guys, I think, on your first show back, if I remember, um, from the break out in Vegas, yeah. right? Yeah, because we did the... Uh, Downtown. What's that called? Uh, Fremont. Yes. Fremont Street. Yes, man. Oh, man. It's, it's you, you guys, uh, for me as a fan, I've been a fan for... First time I saw you guys was actually opening for um, Anthrax at the House of Blues. It was John Bush. Um, no, that's how I discovered you guys. Yeah, that was the first time. And then through the years, man, I saw you at a pool at the Hard Rock one time. I've seen you guys at a, many venues out here. Oh so yeah, it's been. I a, remember that too. That was a trip. Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it weird? <laughs> it was so weird. But they they made us an offer we couldn't refuse. So we were like, yeah, we'll go to Vegas and hang out at your hotel, you know, and then play at the pool. Why not? It was something totally different. Dude, it was a blast. Yes. The show was great. I remember because the pool was in the middle. When I entered, I was like, do I have to walk around? Do I have to stand behind the water? Like It was like, you know, normally yeah. a venue, you can push yourself through. But like yeah. I, I had shoes on. So I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to stand behind the pool. <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was weird, but it was cool. It we, was great, I, man. It was a great. Vegas is, is always good, man. We, we actually thought about moving there. Oh, dude. Um, a while back. The thing that people always get to is the weather. I'm born and raised, so I am a uh-huh. huge fan. If I'm not mistaken, you guys are Illinois area, so you got the snow, you've yeah. got like seasons. Out here, yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys have been out here a lot. We got like, I mean, all that winter clothes you would just put in storage. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, at this point, we kind of want that, but, you know, it, it probably would be a culture shock a little bit. Just I have a, I have a friend who just got back from Florida, and she lived there for two years, and she grew up here. Mm. So she was like, she missed, she completely missed the seasons. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'd be like. I, I could see the upside to it, not having to shovel snow, you know, that kind of thing. It's all perspective, <laughs> but dude, let's be like for for me, for reality is that like. You know, I'm in a house, I got the AC blaring and, and, and all that stuff for the heat going on, and it's like I don't have that connection. But when I'm outside and the seasons are changing, I'm walking my dog, whatever like that, there's this peace and connection that those yeah. changes really kind of give me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And you do lose that in this city because the weather's so... Like, I lived in Hawaii for a year, and I lost it because the weather was the same the whole time, dude, you know? Oh, wow. And it was... And, and, and it got old, or did you... For me, because I think I... I don't think I can be in a, you know, in an island. It's, it's weird for me because it's like I would just circle yeah. the island over and over again, and I went there for a year for college, and I'm like, man, I, I just want to be able to break through board, borders, but I can't, you know? So... yeah. I love the beach, and if I was ever to be homeless, I guarantee you I'd move to Hawaii because, dude, it's it's that's I'd get a gym membership, take a shower, and just sleep outside. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been to Hawaii twice. We played two shows there. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. And uh, we want to get back right away. I mean, like as soon as we can. It's been it's been years now since we've been back. But uh, that was my big. I mean, it's, you know. That was my big thing. Is no shows were out there, man. Like none. Yeah, I think I saw yeah. Pearl Jam, and that was it for the year. Um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I miss the bands, dude. That's my, 
you know that's my that's my culture man so yeah that'd be rough that's the one thing because yeah i'm telling you i mean if you love the local music obviously that's going on all the time but i'm a i'm a rock metal Mm -hmm. guy and dude it's just not on the map for a lot of bands you guys got to play twice that's that's excellent dude because Mm -hmm. that's cool but the reason i'm talking to pete everybody sorry about that we kind of segued into normal people conversation and i'm on a time limit here so i don't want to do that but uh we are here to celebrate our favorite record of the year, guys. I'm going to use the full title, Nothing is Real, and this is a simulation. Nira Tias, that is our best of favorite record of 2021 here at the Metal Sucks podcast. So I do want to discuss that with you, my friends. So this is your guys' 25 years you've been active pretty much around that time. And this is your most cinematic record. Um, and you're coming off very heavy kind of direction that we had the two previous records. And this one kind of was more melodic and thought out, tell me about the journey to kind of get to that place. Yeah, we took a little bit longer to complete this album. It went through a couple different stages, and I wrote a lot of material we didn't use. And uh, I think we just wanted to to sort of, um, it, it's not a fully a concept album, but it, it went down that road uh, a bit, you know? And then when COVID hit, you know, the title just came out of a conversation, you know, I was, I was having on the phone, they're like, so what are you going to call this thing? And it was with management and my brother, and, and it literally just popped into my head that nothing nothing seems real right now during 2020. It was just everybody was in that same boat, the entire world. So when you're talking about, you know, slaving over something, uh, you know, a, anything creative for, you know, a few years and then deciding when to drop it, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough decision, but we knew it was the worst time in history to put out music, too. But, you know, when the more you sit on it, the more you want to change it. And then you, it, it just like, it pulls at you, you know, there's, there's, and we just, we just ended up in this place where we're like, okay, so it's, it's gone too long. We have to put something out for our fans and we want it out there as well. But, um, you know, even before COVID, we were taking a little bit longer. We were doing maybe like a two, two and a half year between release sort of time frame. And honestly, I, I think that was, um, that was, we were kind of like pressured into that, you know, we were in a kind of a, you know, I, I, our past label was, um, you know, I mean, look, it was just, they wanted material and that's kind of what you get with certain labels and with past management, they were always push, push, push. So we got into this mind frame of don't stop working. And, um, honestly, I, I felt like if we had more time, we could maybe make something a little bit, um, a little bit more true. And hopefully down the road, it could be, I mean, everybody wants it. They want to create a classic and I'm not saying that this is it. I'm just saying that you strive for that. And that's what we were doing. We were just taking our time. And I, a lot of these songs were, you know, there's three different versions of each song, each drum beat. I would write a different song to. And, um, and this is where we ended up. See, that's, that's kind of a magical place though, is that it it seems very calculated because of the interludes and stuff like that. Like I've took it as a three act structure with the songs that you guys put together when I was listening to it, like with the third act starting at test, test enough and kind of going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems from the listener standpoint that that was all very calculated. Was that mm-hmm. something that you added on later? Because a lot of times deadlines are helpful, but 
but a lot of times also, um, I guess they don't allow you to experiment if that's mm-hmm. fair. Um, so is there any truth to anything I said right there? Um, I no, actually, well, look, it, I can't say that any of it was calculated mm-hmm. except for, um, I knew that I wanted, I wanted, um, the, tr- I didn't want it to go from song to song and, um, but I didn't realize that until towards the end. So when I, I mentioned that to Barisi, our producer, he was like, yeah, I like that idea. Don't, don't just put out 10 songs and done, you know, let's, you know, you know, just go off the deep end a little bit, see what you come up with. And that's what happened. You know, I, I was, um, you know, I was, I was trying to record in different parts of my house. And a lot of these, these in between tracks were done in my closet and, uh, just on a little, you know, a little recorder called the Spire and it connects to your phone and it's an app or your, you know, you can connect it to your iPad or whatever. And so I just took a mic and it has mics on it, preamps and things. And I would just plug my keyboard into it and mess around and, or the Kalimba, you know, that came out and I just played it right into the, the microphone. And so those things were, they weren't, they, they weren't thought about. I didn't know what I was going to create. I just started and those ended up sounding right in between the, uh, the fully produced, you know, tracks, which were like, you know, self-destructor or peach, you know, those songs that, you know, we could have easily just said, you know, what's the, what's the bare minimum we can get by with, which is, you know, you know, 10 tracks or whatever, what's our contract say or whatever. But I felt like, you know, everybody's doing that. And I felt like I had more to say. And um, I felt like it was going to be, uh, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to keep making albums, let's make an album that, that takes you on a bit of a journey. And I mean, I, I literally, w- I walked out my back door one, one day and I was, it was, it was nighttime actually. And uh, I heard all these coyote freaking out down the street. You know, I live by a forest preserve and they had, caught something and they were freaking out so i recorded it and then i just decided to put it on you know just i'll I'll work it in somewhere so i I was trying to do that and um just try and make it organic you know Mm. something that that will go beyond a little bit than you know than right here and now i mean just trying to make it interesting you know and in in turn honestly i can see doing an album that is even even, you know, a lot more of that, you know, a lot more of this sort of soundscapey kind of vibe, you know, maybe going down that, um, you know, more, more of a keyboard vibe, you know, as that would really be a concept album for us. Mm-hmm. You know, if Chevelle put that out, because we're just a hard, you know, we've been a hard rock band for the entire time. So to do something like completely different, you know, um, that would definitely be, I think that would be cool. I I don't know if our fans would dig it as much, but I hope so. You know, as a fan, I'm going to say this was a, you know, a fantastic thing. And I've been with you guys, like I said, since point number one. Um, But at this point, like under the brand name, you guys are free to experiment at will. I think uh, for a Mm -hmm. lot of us in the fan base, did you feel that way throughout? Because as we were talking about with managers, record labels and these expectations, did you always, were you, were you at any point, do you feel hesitant to be able to just experiment at will with soundscapes and certain things? Yeah. I mean, I did. Um, There were a few producers along the way that, 
it was a struggle. You had to battle them, but that's part of the business. That's mm -hmm. normal. But um, we always had the free reign to do what we wanted. Um, it, you know, not to make it negative, but we were always, you know, it's, it's always just been Sam and I. Um, we had other band members at times, but it, it's always been he and I that did almost everything. Like, we had terrible management. We had terrible uh, experiences with people um, where they, they were actually hands off. Like, you'd want help, but they were no help, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not all bad. I'm not saying, woe is me. I'm saying that um, we did ha always have free reign. If we didn't really want to do it, then we, we didn't. And but the, the thing is, you can get yourself into trouble that way as well. Um, you need you need a good group of people you can bounce things off of. When you write a new song, you want to you want to get you know trustworthy people that you look up to and and get their opinion. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of that, you know. Even in the past, for the past twenty years, we had you know, a handful of good friends, but, um, not on the management side. That was, that was a rough one. And we had to exit stage left from, from that experience. But, you know, we came out of it, you know, we, we do, Sam and I are super hands-on with, with this band, you know, we, we own our own merch company and we put out our own merch and, um, we just finished, you know, an, an eight or nine record contract with mm. Epic. I think it's eight. I think we signed for it. But you know, so now it's kind. Of, we're kind of a uh, kind of just looking, looking at each other, saying, "What do we do now? Like, what's the next step?" And trying to get motivated to write again because of you know, state of the uh, the world is so different now. Um, and uh, but I we did start the other day. We started toying around with some new ideas, and I'm and I'm uh, I, I feel like it's it's going to come soon to start writing again, but it's, it's weird because this album's only been out for a little while and, you know, we haven't toured on it that much. So we're, we're hoping to do a lot of touring next year, which we do have a very cool, uh, tour about to drop very soon. I can't tell you yet. No worries. Yeah. Cause I, we're not, you know, we're, we're part of it. I'll say that. And, uh, we're excited about that. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a ton of fun beautiful so. man and yeah these songs that they live live man um and it's going to be great so you guys do get this record the full cycle because a lot of the records did get cut off because of like you said the pandemic that mm -hmm. uh, got released uh, the bands had to you know kind of compromise and then get back into the creative process and um this was such a like i said for me as a fan uh it's our in my whole group my whole team here at the metal sucks podcast this is our favorite record of 2021 it's the one that stuck with us the most the one that when i revisit i hear new things all the time the one oh, wow. that, you know, um, when I heard the the three songs I saw you guys play live, it's like it, it took me to a, another journey. So the organic process wow. that you guys pulled through with all the chaos or whatever it seems like it happened to man, it, 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 it resonated really well with myself and I'm guaranteeing with the fan base. And I know I'm, I'm running short on time, but I did want to ask you just one last question about the creative yeah. process for yourself is that when you have few people to trust creatively around you got yourself and sam as we we're talking about does writer's block affect you more so than you think it would be in a different environment that was a little more um easier to work around and is that a benefit in a way for when you do break through that yeah well yeah i think that uh i think it can hit any time and to, to anyone doing anything creative and i have had that happen 
And uh, I think I think all you can do is <laughs> whinge, bitch, and moan about it <laughs> to your friends and family until they kick you out of the room. But uh, I'm kidding, of course. But yeah, I mean, you just you just turn it, turn all that shit off. Turn turn off all the equipment and walk away. Don't don't look at it for a while. You know, go for a drive. You know, um, but I did have you know on this album, I did have plenty of songs that I kind of hit, you know, with um, a few of those people. They were like, yeah, not feeling it. I don't think it's your best work. And uh, that was hard to hear because when you, you know, it's, it's just hard to hear, mm-hmm. you know, negative anything about your, your work. But at the end of the day, they were right. It probably wasn't, you know, and I don't know what those songs will, you know, I don't know where they'll go. Um, but, uh, you know, certain songs came out of that, you know, after we recorded, I think we recorded six, or seven, the first trip out to LA. And then we came back and we wrote self-destructor and so long mother earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was the other one? Remember when? So, and then, and then a host of, you know, little ditties. So I think that, uh, you know, I think that look, you, you, if you're going to have a career in um, in rock music in general, it, it, I think one of the best things you can do if you're going to write lyrics is to not settle. Don't settle on your first idea. Don't think that oh, everything I write is great all the time. Like I said, I I wrote you know three, four different songs to each one of these drum patterns, you know, and then and then uh, tried to refine it. You know, a lot of bands will try and they'll try and uh, they'll, they'll write lyrics and they'll say, "Oh, what do I want to write about?" You know, I and then the first word that comes out of their mouth is "I" or "you." You know, and to me, that's when bands lose me. Even if the music is super creative, if they start out with "I" or "you" or "me," it just sounds like oh, that growth in in the lyrical content is it might not be there yet. You know, and and I think some of the greatest um, lyricists, you know, steer clear that right out of the gate. And I'm not saying it, it can't be right, but when I write lyrics, I try to I try not to to go to those right away. And uh, and a lot of people say, oh well, you know, you know, they I, they some people may like that. I don't know. Whatever you're into, right? But we just you know, I try and uh, write interesting lyrics and, and, and content, and I don't settle. And that's one thing that I've learned from, you know, good people in my life that write as well. So don't don't settle. Absolutely. That's sound advice. Like I said, the lyric book I have right next to me here from the record, there's a couple of ones that I wanted to kind of talk to you about. Our time's a little bit up, dude, but I got to tell you, like, for us, I got to tell everybody one more time, our favorite record of 2021 is Chevelle's record. Guys, nothing is real, and this is Assimilation. Nita Tias, hopefully I'm saying it right as an acronym. Is it NIDA? Yeah, that, no, I mean, you could say it anyway. you could say it any way you want. Actually, that's pretty that's a pretty cool way to say it. It sounds <laughs> better than, than Neuradius, but um that's that's how we say it. But uh, I like I like the way you say it. Nita Tias. Neuradius. Anyways, fantastic record. It's gonna be dude, twenty twenty two is looking like an exciting year for you guys. You're starting to write yeah. get creative. You got tours on the way. Um, you got this great record, man. And like you said, all those negative elements, it sounds like they're kind of in the past. 
And uh, mm-hmm. us as a fan, you've given us 25 years of uh, no compromise. I love it. I love artists that know um, where 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 the bar should be, and you guys have always done that lyrically, musically, song structure-wise. So with that, Pete, i got to thank you so much, my friend, for this record and for calling in here mm. to the Metal Sucks podcast. Wow, yeah, thanks for that high praise, man. That that means a lot. I, I appreciate that.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and that is it. That is it. 2021 for us. Um, I want to thank you guys deeply. You know, we've been doing this show, me and Brandon, and obviously Jocelyn and Sylvia uh, feel the same way. We've been doing this for five years, I think, now. It's hard to remember. Chuck and Godless last episode was like 170-something, and we've taken over, and we're at like four, nah, close to 420, 417 or 18. And um, the Metal Sucks podcast, like I said, from the start, with those two dudes, Chuck and Godless, and then our team has been nothing but a positive force promoting great bands and music and, and trying to do everything we can in a positive way for the fan base, for the scene, for everybody. And it's just great, once again, to always listen to you guys, to see the ratings, to, to, to know you're out there. And um, it means the world to us that you guys always tune in. And just I know everybody out there, the listeners are just like us. We're just huge fans. And I love promoting these bands. I love talking about music. And I'm a lucky, lucky guy. And the only reason I get to do this is because of you guys out there. And I get to hang out with my best friend right here every week. This guy, Brandon. He'll talk. He's probably That's on me. mute. He's on mute right now. That's me. <laughs> no, I'm right there. I'm here. I'm right here. I'm soaking it all up. And what I need the people to understand here is let me just take a second to congratulate Pete for keeping this thing going. Um, I'm an asshole. And... He has managed to just keep me a part of this, allowing me to be a part of this. You people don't understand the things that go on behind the scenes when him and I are discussing topics and where I might go the pussy route and just try to do the, the clickbait route and try to throw some people under the bus just so we'll have something to talk about. Pete always wants to take the high road and He's made the show significantly better than I could ever have made it. And it's just based on his positivity and his genuine attitude towards the music and the scene that is metal. And I just want you guys to know how much he cares about you and how much I care about you and how thankful I am that you guys tune in every single week. Jocelyn and Sylvia, they have both conveyed to me uh, – off off mic how much how they feel the same way and just thank you guys thank you for thank you guys for another year and we're looking forward to another 2020 to to next year we're looking forward to 2022 with new music and new things to pick apart and hopefully not much rake no yeah, hopefully not much hopefully not much Please. of that stuff no more rape no more storming the capitol Please, God, can we have a better year than 2021? Even years are better than odd years. Uh, I've always felt, and then I had children, and now I have one born on a – they're both born on odd years. So I'm like, all right, odd years are better now in my in my 40-year-old right. going forward. So it doesn't matter. Every year is great. We're lucky to be alive. This is the best time to be alive, guys, especially for art, music, and everything in the world. So to experience, obviously. So with that, all we ask for, if you guys have the times, please give us a five-star review on the good old Apple iTunes and I don't want to get too long-winded. And, and please support our other podcast, the Documentary Discussion Podcast. That is Rise to Offend, guys. The topics we've done, Charles Bukowski, Andrew Dice Clay, Married with Children. Uh, it goes on and on. Peter Steele, Phil Anselmo, Chuck Schuldiner. And we have more of that coming in the new year as well. So uh, I know it's, it's, it's getting farther and farther. But I have two episodes ready to go. It's all about getting the team together, if I can. During this time where everybody's sick and kind of not good, we're zooming it away so we can make sure that we don't miss this show. But Rise to Offend, I think we got to be face-to-face uh, in order to pull that show right. off. So, yep. well, anyways. I'm, here. I'm here for you whenever. Oh, I know, I know, for sure. So with so that, let's do it. 
our friends. Until next year, love your families. Nothing but positive energy running into this new year. Be great people. Be kind. We love you. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.